Welcome to another inspirational message from City Life Center Church. If you are ever in the area, come visit one of our services. We would love to meet you. Enjoy the message. All right. Woo-hoo-hoo. Yeah. Don't you love Jesus? I do. Hey, God bless you guys. Hey, while you're still standing, I just have to show you something really cool here. Uh, this morning when I was, I, I'd, I was in the offices, I was working and like listening to God and stuff. And I heard this, heard this chatter out in the hallway and, and Preston and Jordan had showed up, you know, and they're, and, and it was getting close to the time to, to pray for our, to have our little prayer time. And, and, uh, and, but they were like, kind of like laughing at each other. And it's like, it's, it's like too early in the morning to be laughing at each other. We're supposed to be like, holy, getting ready to pray. I'm like, come on, let's be serious. I'm just kidding on that. But, but, uh, but we were, we were there and, 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 and so then I walk out in the hallway and I look at the two guys and then I look at myself and you press, you have to, you have to see this. Preston, come, come up here, come up here, Preston. Jordan, come over here. And, and, I, and I looked at these guys and I said, somebody, at least we know that some people are praying today. You know, like we were praying, we were in sync, spirit of unity going like crazy around here. And, uh, and it, was, it was pretty awesome, right? Yeah. And the, the, the cool deal is, is guys, you know this, is like when, when guys, when you see someone else wearing what you're wearing, you're like, oh, look how cool you are. And, and they were happy. Like if this were happening to ladies, you'd be in tears. It would be the worst day of your life. You would go home. You, you would do, you, I mean, you would like pour coffee on yourself just to change it. You, you know you would. But for us, hey, we know it's good. And, and you look at even Alex, like I saw YouTube and you got the whole deal going. The rest of you guys who didn't wear this, sorry, you guess you didn't pray this morning. But, uh, but hey, let's take a look at the screens. Let's, uh, let's say our scripture together. Come on, say it out loud. Come on. Enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it this is what the Lord says stand at the crossroads and look ask for the ancient paths ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls are you in Uh, let's go God bless you you guys can have a seat open your Bibles up Ephesians, Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 8, Ephesians. It's written to a church in a town called Ephesus. That's what it's called, Ephesians, kind of like Texas would be Texans. Wouldn't it be cool if there's a book in the Bible called Texans? Uh, I don't know. Just those, one of those thoughts I've never had before. Uh, the te- book to the Texans. I think we could read from that every week. Fort Worthians? No, I don't know about that. Hey, uh, today's message is entitled People of Presence and Influence. And here's the truth, is that every follower of Jesus can be a person of influence and every per- follower of Jesus can be a person of presence. And that means all of you. Uh, in fact, presence and influence are two of our very important values here at City Life Center because it's just simply who we are. I love a good story, don't you? I do, I do. Uh, you want to know one of the best ways to get to know me better is to just hear my stories. That's why I like to tell my stories up here. And, and just you know, listen to them. You get to know me better. Uh, last Sunday, you didn't get to hear one of my stories because uh, if you were here, you noticed that I was mysteriously absent. And it wasn't just absent. I was mysteriously absent. So here's the story. The night before, Saturday night, I was uh, having a quiet evening at home. 
And uh, I had this wonderful, quiet dinner with my lovely wife, Rebecca. It wasn't candlelight dinner or anything, but it was just us sitting at the, in the kitchen table, just having a good time. And, but, you know, I like to do that. And on Saturday evenings, I'm typically meditating on what's going to be happening at City Life the next morning. I just kind of get into this zone, and, and I, my heart's there. So if you ever invite me to a Saturday night party, I'm probably not going to show up. Love you and everything. But it's like, seriously, my mind, I, I was, I'm spaced out. I'm kind of like in this other zone. But, but I... I, I decided that I was just going to create some of my own Chinese stir-fry. Any of you guys do that? Yeah. And I had uh, just bought that week some very special, new, very cool oriental sauce that I was going to use. I couldn't wait to just like put it on the plate and so excited about that. Well, well, after I did it, I, we, we'd served, I'd served our Chinese stir-fry fiesta concoction and, and it was amazing. It was amazing. The food was amazing. Rebecca didn't want any of my new, cool, oriental sauce, though. I was just thinking, oh, well, her loss, my win. But it didn't end up being my win. It actually ended up being her win and my loss. Let me tell you here why. Because what, what happened at that point is, is uh, you know, just wound down and hit the pillow about 10 o'clock, which is my which is pretty normal for me. I set my alarm for 4.30 a.m., nothing unusual about that uh, for a Sunday morning. And, and I awoke, though, about 2 o'clock. And my stomach felt bizarre. You know, I was like, eh, something's not quite right. Well, hey, the truth is, it's like, I know this. I'm a tough guy. <laughs> I can fix anything with water. So I have these bottles of water right there by my bed in case of any nighttime emergency that's going to prevent me. From, so I just, from waking up good, so I just guzzled a bottle of water. Thank you, Jesus. Threw it in the trash and went right back to sleep. Then my alarm sounded at 4.30 a.m. Well, at that moment, I did not bounce out of bed. In fact, I didn't feel right, and I had this really, let's just say bad stomach stuff going on. And then immediately I thought, this is food poisoning. So I, I went very quickly to get my activated charcoal, also knowing that I'm probably too late, but still, I'm going to try it. And I, I started up, and I downed it, and, and within one minute, I'm t- I'm t- I was feeling better. And I prayed, and I was like, thank you, Jesus. And so I thought, I'm going to rest for about another hour here, because my body's kind of wonked out a little bit. And, and, but I didn't make it an hour, because by about 5.15, uh, uh, it, it was, became very clear that I needed to get up out of the bed and go to the bathroom very quickly. And I'll just tell you, it was not it was not pleasant. I mean, you, you, know, you know how, how the scriptures say that the, the living, rivers of living water will flow from your innermost being? Well, this was like the opposite. It, 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 it was not good. It was not pleasant. But this, something else happened that was absolutely uh, unprecedented with me. I've never had anything remotely close to this happen. I, halfway through this rivers of, you know, putrid water, I I began vomiting bright red blood, and that wasn't, that was not, like, cool. And I, uh, and so I, I pondered, <laughs> and just, like, kind of got up and gargled and pondered. I thought, what's going on? So I pondered, gargled, and then I Googled, because <laughs> I, I, I got to figure out what's going on here. And my Google said, Mr. Google, he says there was, it's one of two things, and, uh, and so I, after researching this for about 15 minutes, I, f- I found that I narrowed it down to t- one or two things. One is I either had what's called a punctured esophagus, and that is potentially fatal within 24 hours if not corrected by surgery. Or I had 
a lacerated esophagus, which would most likely heal within 24 hours. Only 5% of those need surgery. So I read through the list of symptoms of both, and, and I realized that within an hour, I could tell whether I needed to make a beeline for the hospital or not. And so I, uh, I then texted the Sunday morning team, and I gave them this wonderful, vague little message like, I'm going to be coming in a little bit late. I'll be coming right about service time. I'm not feeling all that well. I kind of have an upset stomach and some headache, but I'm going to be pushing through. And, and so, so I gave them that message, and they're all responding back. Oh, just rest, Pastor. It's going to be okay. We're going to take care of everything. We'll be praying for you. See you at church. Yeah. Preston texts me right after that. He goes, should we find somebody else to preach? I'm like, no, no. <laughs> what, a, what a question. I'm tough. Well, about an hour later, see, they don't even know nothing. Nobody really knows what's going on. My wife didn't even know at that point. And about an hour later, based upon the symptoms I had found online, I was convinced that I only had a lacerated esophagus. How nice is that? So I didn't need to go to the hospital. Uh, but my throat was beginning to swell up, and it was kind of a little difficult to breathe. And um, a little bit. I mean, I, and I, I could only swallow liquid. I wouldn't want anything more than liquid anyway because I had an upset stomach. But so then is Rebecca to the rescue. And I asked her to take some Advil and to crush it up into some honey and to make this wonderful stuff because I wanted to reduce the inflammation and also to help me deal with some of the pain so I could get myself out of bed and, and come and preach. And so my wonderful wife began compounding the drugs. She'd been, been doing it all and fixing it up and making my drug concoction and she set me up and I, so I could swallow it and I took it and it was so good. good. I began waiting for the change and finally it's about 45 minutes till church time and my, my throat is still so swollen at this point that I can hardly even speak. I can just speak with a very, very light voice. And so I, at that point I texted the team and I just said, I, I can't talk. They still, they don't know everything's going on. But I just said, I can't talk. My, my voice isn't working, so I'm going to be a no-show. Uh, Preston, will you please preach? And so everybody, oh, well, almost everybody texted me back. And they said, oh, no problem. It's all going to be taken care of, Pastor. Don't worry about anything. Everything's going good. We're praying for you. Woohoo! So, uh, you know, I went back to sleep without a care in the world. Unfortunately, the guy that I asked to preach wasn't, he typically doesn't, look at his text messages on Sunday mornings or something. And so he ends up, Preston, he ends up finding out at the very last minute that he was preaching in both services. And, and Jordan, our, our, you know, our worship leader, he, he says to Preston, it, you know, it's getting close to service time, and Preston's all happy and cheerful and excited about his little offering talk. And, and so, so jo Jordan goes, um, Preston, are you looking at your text messages? Because I have a feeling you're not. Something to that effect. And he's like, oh, well, maybe, maybe I will. And he sees his message, you're preaching. And he looks, okay, I'm preaching in about 20 minutes. So, but regardless, the services <clears throat> came off well from the feedback I received. And I just want to thank you guys for doing that. Thank you, Preston, for jumping in and preaching, like being instant and ready to go. I appreciate it. I appreciate the entire team. Appreciate all of you guys. Uh, but, but I listened to the City Life podcast on Wednesday, then, and, uh, and I, was, I thought, man, Preston did a great job in coming up with a last-minute sermon. Actually did a great job. But, and, and, and so I'm so glad for all of that to happen. And, and you know what, guys? That is a little bit of my story. From that story, it solves the mystery of my strange absence last Sunday, <clears throat> which 
Nobody really told you about because I didn't even tell them what was going on. I certainly didn't want to say, oh, the pastor's vomiting out blood today, so uh, hope he's, yeah, let's, let's hope he does okay. He might not die within uh, now 15 hours. So now, what we <laughs> can understand. It's like, I just, but uh, also this story tells you a few things about me. First of all, it tells you that I have this really awesome wife who takes good care of me and will compound drugs for me. It also lets you know that we have an organizational system at this church that's not dependent upon one person um, anywhere. It's, it's set up that way. It's also that I trust the team. And, and even though you might think I am Reverend Teflon, that just, you know, everything, no matter what hits me, it just slides off. The truth is I do get sick. And sometimes God doesn't heal me the way that I expect him to. Also, you get from my story that I'm a person who's very determined. I don't want to let sickness get in the way and to stop me unless it gets to the point where I can't talk. And at that point, well, what can I do? I can't come up here and, and like sign language it. Last time I tried to sign language people at church, I actually cussed at them. So I will never do that again. <laughs> that is a true story. And you don't even want to know the details. Another thing is that, that you know, I just, I don't panic, but I attempt to trust God when things aren't going my way. And and I enjoy oriental food, and I like quiet, calm Saturday evenings because Sundays are really important to me. So really, the truth is, is that stories are quite amazing because we get a lot from them. Stories uh, encourage us to initiate and to keep things going and keep doing these right things in life. And we learn from each other's stories. We can see God through the stories of other people. And, and, and really, that's what this series of messages is about. It's about hearing from God through the stories of other people. And, and some of you, you're, you're going to hear from God. I think, I think everybody's going to hear from God today through these stories. Uh, last, uh, uh, last week, Preston really got us started with this. And today, I want to share with you the story of Mark and Vicki Scott. And I want you to hear their story because there's some important things in there that I think God will speak to you regarding where you are. Let's take a look at Mark and Vicki's story. Influence means being able to take what God has given you and help other people with it. It's really that ability to share those things He's gifted you with, whether that's wisdom, whether that's the experience of having come through a very dark time and survived it. Influence is being able to share with other people and help them as a result of, of either what you've been given or what you've experienced. I've always been very achievement oriented, very career oriented, and I had gotten my MBA here in Texas and decided to move to Boston where Fidelity was headquartered to take on a new role. It was a senior vice president role. I was excited about it. It was a huge career step and it was horrible. I didn't like them, they didn't like me. And for the first time in my life ever, I felt like a failure. It was a big feeling of confusion and why. You know, God, I thought you put me here, so why did you put me in this place that's now so dark and so dismal? And really just a, a feeling of disconnectedness. We moved to Boston. I had no plan. We were moving for Vicki's career and Vicki's job. Uh, and when you go to Boston, there are no research positions available because there's Harvard, there's MIT, there's all these famous hospitals and all these other places that are doing research and there's no room for a, another chemist to be there. So I had to find something else. It was extreme frustration and almost anger with myself because I couldn't find a way to connect. I couldn't find a way to contribute. 
And for a moment there, I lost sight of the fact that God puts us in places. God gives us opportunities. My son and I visited a historic church for a Christmas program. And uh, in their church bulletin was an ad for a part-time math teacher. And I answered the ad and started teaching at a very small Christian school, private school, um, and found out that that's what I should have been doing all along. I, it was my place in the world. I'm confident the Lord gave me the opportunity to serve people so that now I am able to serve hundreds of students um, who have difficulty and can not only share math and science with them, but also share my, my life, my love, my religion, and my Christianity with them um, at points of their need. Basically, we came back to Texas and we started going to a church in Keller that's very focused on serving. And I'd never done much mission work before, even though my dad was a pastor and I grew up with it. I just couldn't see myself leading Bible school and painting orphanages. That just was not my thing. But they were looking for somebody to go and do a microfinance project with some farmers up in the mountains of Vietnam. And I went and I did that and I fell in love. And what I really found there, I believe, was my purpose. And so my life's work right now is about helping people become the masterpiece that God created them to be. And I had to go through my own season of finding out what it feels like not to be doing the things that God created you to be and then to realize how wonderful it feels when you figure out what God really created you for. For me, it was almost like putting the last piece in a puzzle. The Lord put me in various places to grow me in several different areas. Uh, after a dark period, it would, to come into that realization was extremely rewarding. We could clearly see that without those periods that felt so dark at, a t at the time, we never would have been we never would have gotten to the places of joy in life that we've gotten to. And at the time they feel terrible, but you can look back on them and see exactly what God was doing during that period. And it's not obvious at all when you're going through it. Trying to remember that while it feels horrible now, you're not seeing the whole picture, God does. And that when you look back on it, you'll be able to see the purpose that you can't see while you're in the middle of it. It was when I discovered that it wasn't all about me that life began to be fulfilled. Helping others is one of the biggest um, ways to increase your own happiness. That, as, as Mark demonstrated personally, inward focus is, is a depression generator. Being able to get out and focus on somebody else just makes you feel better. If you get outside of yourself, that's when you're fulfilled. That's our purpose in God. So our journey is really a matter of discovering what it is that God created in us and how He wants us to use it. I guarantee you it's there. He created every one of us with unique things to offer. So find somebody that you can work with to help figure out how awesome you are, because you are. You may be very awesome in a very different way than the person sitting next to you, but that doesn't mean that God didn't create you very specially and with very special gifts to give to the world. So figure out what they are and how you can give them. God didn't design us to be alone in the world uh, and if you feel like you're alone in the world um, look around you because you're not influence is not what you tell people influence is what you show people through the way you live and you influence people whether you know it or not yeah wow you know there's 
Yes. <laughs> There's so much to glean from their story. And I guess if I were to try to summarize the theme of what they're talking about is this, is that through Jesus, you're awesome. And it's whether you believe it or not. See, God created and he instilled these gifts in you that are his contribution to his master plan for the world through you. And that, my friend, is influence. And everyone has that. Mark and Vicki, uh, basically their story states this, is that someone needs what you have. You see, someone needs you because you've walked through divorce. You've walked through terminal illness. You've walked through abuse. You've walked through a business failure. You've walked through a financial tragedy. You've walked through the loss of a family member. You've walked through the affliction of chronic pain. You've walked through rejection. You've walked through the rebellion of a child. And you now have something to offer. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. In this passage, we're going to see that the grace of God, what it does, it actually carries us and strengthens us and allows us to help others through and in spite of our own personal pain. I'm telling you guys, that is being a person of influence. Paul says it this way. He says, it is by grace. By what? Grace, grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not of yourselves. It's not from yourself. It's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. In fact, say those five words with me. For we are God's, come on, say it again. For we are God's created in Christ Jesus to do good works for which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, now, now here, grace is the key word. Salvation by God's grace. Healing by God's grace. Our good works are done by God's grace. That's how influence works. See, you can't do things to make yourself better in God's eyes. It doesn't work that way. Influence is simply who we are, and it's far above what we do. See, God himself is in you if you're a believer. And this is the God of grace, the God of healing, the God of health, the God of blessing. And so because he's in you as a result, his character simply flows out. Therefore, we love to be used by God because <laughs> his character is in us. We love it. And we understand this and know this as our theme for the year is we know there are two roads. There are two pathways. There are two highways. One is narrow. One is broad. And the broad one leads to destruction. And we know that. And there are so many people that are on that road. And because God is in us, we know that. And we know that people all around us are lost. And that people whom you know right here in your city, in your neighborhood, they are going to hell. Some of you might gasp, say, oh, isn't that hate speech? If you have acquiesced to the ridiculous nature of the culture around us that would say it's hate speech to tell someone that they need to go to heaven and not die in hell, then you have lost it. So the culture tells us that, and that's a lie. I'm telling you guys, a lot of people in Fort Worth are headed to hell. Do, do, you, do you believe me? Do I need to say it in Spanish? The silence in here amazes me, actually. I'm not getting on to you. I'm just saying, 
Either you're shocked by that fact or you disagree with me. Well, I'll just tell you this much. The God in me says I'm not willing that one person should perish. And the God in me says that the word of God is true. There is a broad road and most people will be on that broad road headed for hell. Do you guys get this? Uh, come on guys, let me hear. Do you get this? We can't help but let Jesus shine. We can't help but release his grace. We can't help but invite people to church. We can't help but be people of influence. And but here, here's the big deal, for, especially for us as Americans. We say, but I'm weak, and I'm hurting, and I'm messed up, and yeah, I, I get that. But far too often, I, you know, I've seen people retreat from church. They retreat from corporate worship or, or, or uh, church relationships. They retreat from gathering together to hear God's word or receiving prayer at the front because they feel weak or maybe because they did mess up or maybe because their feelings are hurt or maybe because they feel depressed or unworthy. But I'm telling you guys, that is always a huge mistake because, because we are not only people of influence, but we are people of presence. And so when we come together, God's presence is great among us. And great things happen when we get together. See, a city life being people of presence means this, is that I mean, we're gonna honor one another without merit. We're gonna choose to believe the best about one another. We're gonna be slow to speak. We're going to be quick to listen. We're going to be eager to serve. What we choose around here to do is we choose to be united in our hearts and in our minds because we know this, that when we are united, there is no force in hell that can tear our unified body apart. We choose to stand with one another through the joys of life and the sorrows of life, through your successes and through your failures. So here's the truth, guys. Your present state of weakness is God's opportunity for grace. <sighs> Whatever is your greatest weakness or your most urgent pain is the place where God's grace matters the most. See, see what he does? He actually comes in there and fills in where your pain is and where your weakness is. See, God's not out to get you because you're weak. No, he wants to get in you where that weakness is. <laughs> and that's cool because then he takes over that area and makes it all better. We're, we're people of presence and he will use other people also to lift you and to carry you through your difficult times. <laughs> Another one of the stories you get to hear today is the story of Joy Hodgen. Joy's been around here at City Life since the narrow beginning, and, and she is a woman who has experienced the true, raw nature and strength that a church can offer her because we choose to be a people of presence. Take a look at Joy's story. My name is Joy, and I am a first and kindergarten teacher, and I've been teaching for quite some time. And I enjoy running and spending time with my friends. Since I've been at City Life, there have been a series of events that have happened in um, probably the most stormy part of my life. God just led me here to be able to manage and to help me through these different, different things. And beginning with, um, I had lost my job when I came here and found this place. And I just was greeted by amazing people and I just felt um, the Lord's presence right away. It just helped me through that. And that was just the beginning. Um, shortly thereafter, my mom was sick and she and my, my dad came to visit what was supposed to be just a Thanksgiving visit and a great visit. 
and she ended up having to be hospitalized and for nearly a month and my church family encouraged me so much and that was probably the most painful time of my life and I remember getting phone calls and from friends in the church and they just said I want to pray with you and I just felt the presence of the Lord and just peace through that time. It was only a month after she had gotten out of the hospital and my dad went into the hospital and he almost passed away and I went to visit him in New Mexico and um, I was encouraged again by my church family during that time and um, I was able to spend some time with mom. She was doing better and then I came back to Texas and it was only three weeks after that that my mom passed away suddenly and it was just an unexpected thing. And again, my church family was there and um, it was just an incredibly painful time, but God helped me through that. And I, I just remember coming to the church and just feeling just encouraged through that time. And just, I was prayed for and people brought food, sent cards. And then that wasn't the end. Another thing right after that, really um, three months passed after my mom passed away and I had a heart attack. And um, so I, <laughs> I was almost a goner at that point. But again, um, just that crazy time. And um, God was with me and he used the church family to help me. So it's just been one thing after another, yet God was with me. And I feel like if it were not for this place that I wouldn't have been able to sustain. There have been different times where I've come and felt the presence of the Lord and it was through different songs that were sang. Um, I was just able to just enter into the Lord's presence and um, just feel His peace that surrounded me and be encouraged through that. And also enter into uh, the communion time has been really special to me um, just to take advantage of that time and feel, feel God's presence with me. Well, I found as I was able to kind of let down and trust people and be vulnerable that I received healing through that. And, you know, it's only when we, we do um, take that chance that, that God can do a work in us. And I think that this place is a safe place for us to be able to do that and to move forward in our walk with the Lord. And there's just so much that God has for us if we just allow that and allow us just to, to take the mask off and just to really reveal who we are and what we're going through. Because if we don't, we can't move forward. Don't isolate yourself. I know that's an easy thing to do and I can do that very easily, to, um, but we need each other, and there's so much more strength when um, we are together. And um, without without each other, we just we're not going to be able to make it. Wow! The truth is, <laughs> joy. You might say, "Well, what's her key to making the church so valuable?" Actually, she she just has always just been involved. She. So quiet, so many people may not even know she's around, but she's always just involved, always serving and building relationships. And then 
through this whole battle she was going through, Joy just stayed in church. And she kept serving. And her smiling face would be right at that door and would be one of the first faces seen by you and by your guests as you step onto that welcome home mat, walking in the door of your church. <sighs> See, Joy just simply embraced God's grace, flowing through God's people and directly from God, and God brought her through. And no one would know, unless you knew the specific things and were part of our group that were praying and encouraging her, no one would really know by her attitudes or her actions or her facial expressions that her life was actually upside down. See, the beauty of it is what Isaiah describes to it, to us. He says, a bruised reed, he will not break. It's, he says that a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. That's you. That's, that's the bruised reed. You're, you're that smoldering wick. He's, he's not wanting to do that. It says, because in faithfulness, God is going to bring you your justice. For some of you, that scripture is what you need today. You need to take it, memorize it, and put it on your, on your backdrop, on your, on your computer. <laughs> Whatever you call that. It's your wallpaper. Because your present state of weakness is God's opportunity for grace. So embrace that and, 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 and be who you are and allow yourself to connect with others through that grace. And see, because when you're able to do that, just like her, you, you, she says, you can become vulnerable and you can actually become authentic. The truth is, you can actually begin loving yourself because you know that God loves you. And you, you, when you begin to embrace God's grace, you stop worrying about what you look like. And you just choose that I'm just going to be real and I'm going to let Jesus shine through me. And, 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 I, and you can also begin to reject shame in your life. You know what shame will do for you? Shame will make you fake and phony because you're carrying it with you. Here, here's what I say about city life. We don't do shame here. Can I say it again? We don't do shame here. See, shame exists in the culture that's opposite of what God's culture is. See, shame cannot exist in a culture of love. Shame cannot exist in a culture of grace. See, shame only works when we are doing things, try to perform for God. God, I wanna please you, so if I do, 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 but you can never do enough, therefore you feel shame and it exists. So we, that's not how we are. Shame exists when we're always performing just to get God's attention. Shame exists when we are trying to accomplish so we can show off. Hey guys, reject performance. Embrace the grace of God and begin to tell your story of what God is doing in you and your authenticity is going to begin coming through. And you can talk about your past now because you don't live in shame. And you can be honest about the struggles you're walking through today because you don't live in defeat. You can have hope for your future because God's grace is going to get you there regardless of your depression. <laughs> so here it is, the truth is this is that your best is yet to come. And you know it deep in your heart. You do. 
See, there's this little glimmer of hope in your heart that is actually helping to take you to a whole new place because your past pain or your current weakness does not have to dictate your future. And God has stated it this way. God has already whispered these things to you. The scripture says in Isaiah 42, it says, see, the former things have taken place. Like, yeah, bad stuff has happened. But God's saying, I've already declared new things over your life. And here, listen to this. It says, before the new things spring into being, I announce them to you. Do you believe that? God has actually already whispered it to you in the secret place of your heart. That glimmer of hope's already in there of what God's going to be doing in your future. And he's declaring it to you right now even before there is any outward sign that anything is changing and that your new day is right around the corner. But you know it in your heart. And that's the beauty of it. You know deep in your heart that your best is yet to come. Because God is up to some big things in your life. But at the same time, you have a choice. Am I going to uh, blend in? and we just become subject to the atmosphere around me? Or am I going to influence and change the atmosphere because God's grace is working in me? See, we have this choice. You can either acquiesce or you can implement. Acquiesce, implement. It's your choice. And Jesus challenges us that in the middle of our brokenness, in the middle of our pain and our weakness, that we can be salt and light in this world. And I challenge you guys, season the world, because the world will remain bland if you just simply withdraw. We're like salt. Jesus says we're supposed to season the culture around us and the atmosphere. He says in Matthew 5, 13, he said, you are the salt of the earth. That's you and me. See, salt is known as sodium chloride. Any of you guys know that? Any chemists among us, uh, other than the one we saw on the screen earlier? <laughs> chemists, uh, sodium is an extremely active agent. And what sodium does is it's a very, very active, and it's always kind of like looking to attach itself to another element. Now, in the case of salt, what sodium does is sodium goes and attaches itself to something called chlorine. Now, chlorine, what that actually is, it's a poisonous gas. It's the poisonous gas that gives, um, uh, that gives bleach, bleach its harsh odor, okay? So, not the stuff you put in the swimming pools. I mean, that's, that's a version, but he, you, you understand? So, the sodium, active and aggressive attaches itself to the poison. And when you combine, you have, bam, sodium chloride, you have table salt, and it brings out the flavor in all the food that you eat. See, here's the way I like to see it. God is like the sodium. And we're like the poisonous chloride, <laughs> you know, chlorine. And, and, and what God does is God takes his goodness and his life and his aggressive, positive nature, and he attaches it to my unworthiness, my failure, and my poisonous nature to pull off something crazy amazing through me and through you. Woohoo! That's, that's unbelievable. And you now, therefore, become a person of influence. <laughs> It's kind of like Mark stated in the story that you heard earlier. Influence is not what you tell people. Influence is what you show people by the way that you live. And you become salt, and salt then shifts the, the atmosphere around you. It's, it's like light every morning. And when I wake up, light pours into the open window above the bed that I sleep in. And, and, and no longer, when that light shines in, no longer do I have to wonder how I'm going to walk from place to place in a dark room because light floods the room immediately. Light has a powerful influence. So I encourage you to also brighten your world because the world is going to remain dark if you hide. 
Don't be a Christian that is a secret saint that's wearing camouflage, refusing to let the brightness of God shine out. You're just wanting to blend in. Jesus says that in Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. And you shine that light by letting people see your good works. Let it be seen that you are a Christian. Let it be seen. Allow people to see what you're doing, your deeds, and your lifestyle. Again, one of the most simple yet profound ways to influence is to simply help another person, to help people. It's like Vicki said in her story. Take what God has given you or what you've experienced and help other people with it. Help people become the masterpiece that God has created them to be. So what's your story? Bible says it, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their what? Story. Tell your story. There's power in your story. It will help people. And when we minister, and that word minister simply means to help people, when we minister out of our own weakness, the good thing is, is that, that Jesus is shining through it, even more so because it's not in our strength, it's in our weakness. God's shining through. He's making himself known. So becoming a person of influence is all about valuing that presence of God that you carry with you, and, and it's choosing to walk in unity and harmony with those around you. It means that you're going to care less about yourself and more about the God shining through you toward others. See, in our culture, we tend to think of someone who has a powerful presence as someone who dresses for success or or, uh, or, or they, they, they drive a certain type of vehicle, or maybe they have a certain personality pattern, or they hold a position or an office or a place of authority. But I'm telling you guys, culture gets it wrong. See, be, I, I'm telling you, a person who has powerful presence is one who stands firm as a carrier of the presence of God to bring unity and healing and resists division and brings life. And what happens when you get a church full of people like that that are carrying the presence of God? There is nothing that, can, that hell can do to stop the work of God. In fact, I want you to take a look at a story in the Bible of what happened to a church that had this attitude. They just saw themselves as carriers of the presence of God. And they got together and they prayed and they worshiped. And look at it. It says in, in uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 31, it says, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and then they spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers had one heart and one mind. Can you imagine that? It says, no one even claimed that any of their own possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. And with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, getting people out of hell and getting them into heaven. And God's grace was so powerfully, wait, God's what? God's what? God's what? Grace, 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 grace. <laughs> God's what? God's grace was so powerfully at work. So there are measures of God's grace. Catch that? God's grace was so powerfully at work that there were not even any needy people among them. Whew. Who would not want to be a part of a church like that? These are people of presence and they were, they, they were catapulted to be people of influence because of grace. It wasn't because they were anything special because they weren't extra special. They had just simply engaged the grace of God and then they just started swimming in the grace. 
So, so I want you to be a person of presence. I want you to be, like this scripture says, full of the Holy Spirit, worshiping with fellow believers, walking in unity, because then the truth is your best is yet to come. And those dreams God has placed within you, he wants to launch them out, and he will. Because the truth is when we live like that, world changers are in the room. That's all because of the grace of God. That scripture tells us that these people of presence, that they're generous. People of presence are full of God's power. People of presence are bold in declaring Jesus. No wimpy, lame, grouchy, negative, grumbly Christianity for me. Nuh-uh, I won't do it. I'm not gonna participate in it. I'm not gonna be a Christian grouch. Do you wanna be one? Okay, one person doesn't wanna be one. So, I want to tell you, person, the rest of you, I know you want to be grouches. All right, let's try it again. How many of you, are you guys want to be Christian grouches? I can't stand that label that people put on Christians. And if you see a Christian like that, just go slap them upside the face. And you just say, just stop that. You need to get the grace of God in you and stop trying to prove stuff. I've got them just to slap them upside the face with Jesus, okay? Uh, but, but the truth is... Uh, I want to be a person of presence and I want to be a person of influence and I know you do too. So will you join me in the declaration today to simply do that? That's the way that I want to live in the grace of God. Is that how you feel today? Because that's how I feel. Yes. Leaders, I'd like for you to pray with me right now. I want no movement at this time. This is the most important part of today. I'd like if you would just close your eyes. And for a moment, I'd like for you to focus internally. If you want to know this Jesus we talk about, you want to have this clean slate and engage the grace of God and have this renewed sense of purpose, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. So if you want to be included in a closing prayer to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I'm going to ask you to, to acknowledge that by lifting your hand and holding it so I can see you. Just say, Pastor, I want you to pray with me because I want Jesus. I want that Jesus in my life. I need that. Would you just lift your hand because I want to agree in prayer with you. Just lift your hand up for me and say, Pastor, that's me. I need Jesus. I want Jesus in my life. I want to give my life over to Christ. Lift your hand and hold it there for a second. Thank you. Who else? I need Jesus. and I want Jesus in my life. I want to serve him today. All right, here's what I want you to do. If you raise your hand, I want you and everyone who's, who's here today, every, everyone in this congregation of believers to pray with me. Come on, stand up. And I want us all to pray these words together. I want you to mean them from the bottom of your heart. God's up to something big in your life. And let's break through to that next level that he has for you. Come on, pray with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. I believe you're the son of God. Please forgive my sins, for today I give up my past, and I embrace the future that you have for me. By your grace, and only by your grace, I am a person of presence. By your grace, and only by your grace, I am a person of influence. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. For more information on how you can get involved with City Life locally, text CONNECT to 41411. Again, that's CONNECT to 41411. Or visit us online at citylifecenter.org. 
We would love to meet you. 